Hey, we are on the exciting brand new topic of daily time. Whew, I gotta get this one out there. God, whoo, no more one words, man. We are just cruising, uh, if you can believe it or not. Uh, but before we get there, we have to finish up on page 31. We got just a little teeny thing left uh, with assurance. And once again, the sovereignty of God, I thought it was interesting. Uh, it just perfectly leads into our next topic. Mm, shocker, Tom, isn't that amazing? Uh, but let's take a look there at uh, 31, towards the middle of the page there, towards the bottom of that paragraph. Here's, I think, about where we left off there. Because remember, we were dealing with the white dog, the black dog, whoever you feed the most wins the game, etc., etc., etc. And basically, we're, be- we're breaking down all the Christianese, yield in the spirits and walk and live and keep in step with the spirits and put on the new man. We're breaking through the Christianese, and basically, that's what's going on there. Okay, so that's what we finished up on, and here's where I believe we left off. People around me, now when that happens, when you interact with the Holy Spirit like that, remember the context of the last chapter was assurance. If you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, guess what? You're going to heaven. That's right, Mike, we're going to heaven, praise God. Okay, we are going to heaven because that's God's deposit, his guarantee you're going to get there. It's his arabone, his pledge, his engagement ring, okay, uh, that you're going to get there. But when the Holy Spirit's inside of you, there's this interaction going on. Okay, that's what we're talking about. And the challenge as Christian, if we're going to enjoy the victory that Jesus has already given us, is to get busy walking, living, and keeping in step with him and that daily interaction. And we're going to build upon that, Lord willing, here in a second. Okay, so people around me will see the changes in my life, and I will feel a peace and joy I have never known. Okay, and everyone's growth rate, underlying growth rate, okay, is different. So we shouldn't compare our growth to Christians around us. Now, believe it or not, I had a hard time with this when I first got saved. Because when I got saved, if you guys know my testimony, it was just absolutely radical. It was just from darkness to light. I mean, there was no in-between. There was no nothing. It was just amazing. Eight weeks after I got saved, I'm in Bible college, and that's just the way it is. And that's how I grew up. And a lot of people, hey, Pastor Billy, how'd you grow like you did? And not that you ever stopped growing. Paul tells Timothy, a young preacher, he says to always be teachable. You always need to learn. The moment you think you know everything, you just showed how much you don't know, okay? You're always in a process of growth, so don't stop, okay? As we're going to see that consistency is the key, okay? But still, there was, a, there was rapid growth. And, and, and again, I didn't have any church background. I didn't have years of going to Sunday school, still hadn't made a decision for Christ, still wasn't born again, as happens to a lot of people, okay? But I didn't even have that to go on, okay? So brand new spanking Christian, and, uh, and they're at, why, how'd you, do? hey, it's because, as we're going to see, the daily time with God, the so-called Christian basics, uh, it forced my nose to the grindstone going into Bible college, so, so five years, day in, day out, day in, day out, I was uh, praying to God, I was constantly in the word of God, I was surrounded by people on fire uh, with God, and that's how I grew up for five years. So it isn't me, it's not just, it's this, first of all, the sovereignty of God, praise God to get to grow up like that. But this is why I have a heart for discipleship. This is why I felt it's important. All right, if we're going to get our lives back on track for Jesus here at Sunrise, we got to become disciples. Move from being believers, because I think there's a lot of believers, but how many are disciples? And there's a world of difference, okay? And so that's why I have a heart, because I believe if we get thrust into that discipleship atmosphere, hey, we're going to grow like gangbusters, okay? It isn't just that can happen only to Pastor Billy and other weird people like that. Who like wiener dogs and make fun of chicken and eat cow. No, no, believe it or not, there's other people too, like you. Uh, and uh, so, but you got to get in there, okay? But that was a big thing for me because I, I'm, I thought that's how everybody grows. Just poosh, takes off like that. Now, I think there's a reason why people grow at different rates. We'll get to that in just a second, okay? Uh, everyone's growth rate is different, so we shouldn't compare our growth to Christians around us. Just as physical is your first blank there that we uh, 
didn't fill in. Physical children grow at different rates, okay? So do spiritual children uh, grow, obviously, at different rates. But change will, underline that, will come. You're going to come, okay? Now, moms, how many of you glad that uh, when you gave birth to your children, that uh, 18 years later, they still weren't the same size? Okay? Be kind of nifty. How many guys learned this one? Man, we learned this one. How many guys just fought for that whole first year? You just couldn't wait for uh, your child to crawl, just do something other than just drool and sit there in the middle of the floor and hopefully they don't fall over. Remember that? You're just like, oh, come and crawl. I just try to do that. Right? You, you worked all that hard. And then finally you learned, man, uh, now everything's got to go up two feet. You know what I'm saying? I'd go around the house and get all the perimeter done. It's like, man, it's, remember those days when they just sat there and did nothing? It was so much easier. But anyway, but uh, you're going to grow, okay? As a, a children, change will come. You're going to grow. Now, you're going to grow at different rates. But listen, this is another assurance of my new spiritual life. But I want to capitalize on that because it builds, believe it or not, on the next uh, chapter on this issue of growth. The key to growth, folks, is this word right here, daily time with God. Not part-time with God. Not I'm going to think about maybe sometime one of these days with God. No, no, I'm going to make it my New Year's resolution. Hey, only about the way. Excuse me. Uh, no, I'm going to, I really feel really guilty right now because Pastor Billy, what he preached, I'm just convicted. No, it's a daily time with God. Now, to me, what I've learned over the years is if you're going to maintain that, okay, you need to maintain the whole premise of what this is, meaning being saved, before we even get to heaven, is we have a relationship with God. This is mind-blowing. If you don't lose that aspect, how could, why would it take somebody to twist your arm, pull your teeth, even have to preach a sermon to get you to spend daily time with God? What's more exciting than spending time with God? If you keep it with the mindset of a relationship. Now listen, when it comes to, it says, different growth rates, I really believe, yeah, part of it may, may be because you didn't get the privilege like I did to grow up. Uh, literally, bang, brand new spanking Christian, bang, you're in Bible college, then later in seminary, just ongoing. That was awesome. That was good nourishing ground to grow into. Okay, and that was one of my first prayers as a Christian. Uh, one of the first things, a uh, passage, a uh, uh, men's Bible study I went to, they explained to me was Matthew 13, I believe, the parable of the sower. And after he explained that, I says, God, I began to pray as a brand new Christian. God, I want to dig deep roots with you, deep roots with you, because I don't want to spring up with joy and then the troubles of life and heat come and wilter. No, I want deep roots, so no matter what comes, I'm not going to turn from you, etc. blah, blah, blah. Okay, and uh, so, but there is a problem that we have today in the American church. There's three reasons why. Maybe we'll get into the new chapter. There's three reasons why I believe that uh, people grow at different rates. Okay, yes, granted, not everybody uh, gets to go to Bible college and seminary. Okay, nothing I'm against that. And again, believe it or not, did you know, I'm sorry to let the cat out of the bag. Um, Mary, really what's happening with these discipleship studies? (laughs) I'm teaching you guys Bible college courses. Can you believe it? Don't tell these people. Don't tell them. Okay. Because I want to give you the same experience that I got. Okay. This is being disciples. This is great stuff that you would get if you went to Bible college. Okay. But anyway, so not everybody can do that. So let's bring it to the church. That's my theory. But anyway, but part of the reason why people grow at different rates is because, first of all, remember, it's a growing. What do babies need to grow? Food, nourishment, right? Same thing. Except as he did right here, physical children, he's really talking about spiritual children growth, right? Okay, so it's an analogy. We're going to see that later, possibly, with Peter. He uses the same analogy. So it's nutrition. Spirit, we need nutrition to grow spiritually. Okay, food, etc. Okay, so the first reason I think that some people grow at slower rates than others is because they end up getting bad food. Okay, this is what I call chickenosis. Okay, 
but uh, it's just unfortunate. Uh, Christian chickenosis, you go to a church service, unfortunately, they feed you bad food. Does that happen in churches? You go there, you're doing the right thing. You're going to a Sunday school class. Next thing you know, that person in that class uh, stands up and says, you know what, I think that abortion's absolutely wonderful. Uh, I work for the social company, and I'm sick and tired of those people, those deadbeats, and uh, they have way too many kids, and I think that actually we need to have a law to mandate uh, that they have abort their children. I think it's awesome. I had that happen to me. <laughs> Teaching the class. Lady got up, blew my mind away. And uh, I immediately did what my instructors used to teach me, uh, because that wasn't from God. Okay, and just a little tip here. Uh, the enemy always wants attention. Remember last week's sermon? I, 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 I. The fall of Satan was the I problem. He wants to be God. I, I. So he wants attention. So if the enemy ever does show up in a church service, Lord willing, not this sermon, the next one, we're actually going to talk about some spiritual warfare things that I've encountered even in church services. Okay, demons are real, folks. Uh, but they always want attention. Okay, and so what he instructed us to do is don't give them the attention. So when this lady started piping up this absolute filth, uh, Amelia just uh, p- promptly, cursely said, you know what, I'm sorry to disagree, but you're wrong. That is blasphemy to God. And, uh, uh, and that I'm, you're, I can't, I'm not the thought police. I can't tell you what to believe in, but that will not be tolerated here, and you will not be given uh, the ability to speak that. And then I just moved on. Didn't give it attention. Didn't turn into everybody's, you know, that was enough. And you just move on because the enemy wants a voice. Next day, hey, ring a ling ling come on to my office. We're going to deal with this. Okay, whatever. And, of course, she didn't come back. But anyway, but that happens, okay? People go to church services, and they want to grow. They, they're hungry because if you're indwelt the Holy Spirit. Mm, mm, I want some food. They go to a bad place. They get rotten stuff. Do you know churches teach that? Okay? They're called liberal churches, okay? And, and they have the stained glass windows. They got all the stuff. The guy gets up there. Maybe he might even have a robe on. Might even have a, d- a degree, okay? That doesn't mean you're going to get good food. Okay, so here they are in an environment, a brand new spanking baby. They're supposed to be getting food, but they get bad food. So if you get bad, uh, non-nourishing food, chicken noses, as a brand new baby Christian, what's going to happen? Your growth rate's going to be stunted, nothing or whatever. You're going to have a lot of problems, okay? Now, the second reason why I think people uh, is, uh, do this is they get no food, okay? Now, this is uh, part of uh, the problem uh, that you can get. It's just, uh, this would be, I'd say, a full-blown uh, a church today. Maybe not so much liberal as it is very secular, secular in thinking. You go there, and it's really not the Bible. The guy doesn't even crack open the Bible. He doesn't even preach from the Bible, okay? He may not uh, deny the virgin birth like a liberal church, but you don't ever even talk about the Bible. It's like pop secular psychology. It's all about how to be a financially successful Christian, how to be a better you, 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 you. It's all about you, 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 and how to please you, and you, and you, and you. Okay, but you never quote the Bible. You never talk about the Bible. You quote all the kinds of secular stuff, and that's in the churches today big time. Okay, so you might be in a position, again, why do you grow at different rates? It's because you're going to a church service, you're hungry, the Holy Spirit's in you, he wants to feed that white dog. Okay, you want to get stronger, but you're getting no food. You think you're getting no food, but it's like you're eating those rice cakes. That's not food. Have you noticed that? How many guys said when you took a bite into that, you finally gave in to it, Kenny? He said, all right, fine, I'll eat one of these. First of all, it broke 19 teeth out, okay? And at first you couldn't tell, and you started chomping on your teeth because they blended with the things that are in that thing. It looks like teeth, okay? And, it, whatever. and then the only practical use you could figure that, it was not to put it inside your stomach. It was to put it inside that hole in the sheetrock and spackle over it. It worked great, okay? That's not food, okay? That is not food. So here it is, you're eating, but there is no nourishment whatsoever. Okay, so spiritually speaking, from a church, you're not going to grow very well. That's unfortunate. That's happening per capita, unfortunately, across the American church. Now, the other one, too, I say this is 
a lot of it too, okay, is it's not just that you don't have bad food and, or you just flat out have no food. Uh, it's just that you won't even eat. You won't even eat the food. Okay, now this is the Christian's responsibility. Okay, and you got good food. And I've said this before. I'm not saying this as a guilt trip. Uh, it's just a growth issue. Uh, and it's a heart issue. Okay, why is our attendance different on Wednesday nights than it is Sundays? Man, I, I, to me, you guys are hungry. Praise God. Okay, this is awesome. This is natural. But why do we have a different attendance? My theory is some people, whatever, wherever they're at, okay, have been convinced that they don't need to eat this kind of food as much. All right, now break it down spiritually uh, or physically. If you only ate one meal a week, how well would you do? Now, for those who want to lose weight, at first you'd be very excited. But after a while, it's going to catch up to you, okay? It's going to have adverse effects on you. It's not good, okay? So it's the same issue. If that's all you have, and I think that's what's happened to the American church, why it's so anemic, is because we have convinced ourselves just to punch him. We got our little jelly bean for the week, and that's it. We have no food. And then you go back to the next, and praise God, at least it's something. But gee whiz, if you're going to grow nutrition, feed the white dog, if he's going to beat the black dog, man, you got to feed him once in a while. There's got to be, what was the key word here? Daily. Right? How many guys eat daily? That would cover every one of us pretty much. Okay, yeah. Okay, we eat daily. So why don't we do the same thing spiritually? What we just said to God is a piece of food is more important than you. Right? That's convicting. That's why we're in a brand new chapter called Daily Time with God, page 37. Let's go ahead and turn there. Here's what he says at the very top. And actually on the side there, it says this. And this is what we've talked about before. And this is my heart. And this is why I'm glad, as you turn there, I didn't grow up in what I call church world, okay? You know, I, when I first was young, I was like, I like envied those people that uh, every semester we had to get up there and tell our uh, uh, testimony of what we were and where we came from, what church went to, and, and whenever there's these guys would get up there, well, you know, I was raised in a Christian family all my life, and never really did not much bad, and you know, stuff like that. And, but you know, I was, I was six years old, I gave my heart to Jesus, and et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And they'd always feel kind of sheepish about it. Because, you know, I'd get up there, one of my friends would get up there, he got saved on the uh, streets of San Francisco, a heroin addict, homosexual, uh, a heroin addict, God radically saved him from all that stuff, and, and things of that nature. And so we, we get up to our testimonies, oh, and these guys get up there, and, and to the, like, they didn't have a testimony. And we're like going, man, I wish we could grow up like that. <laughs> Avoid a whole lot of unnecessary pain. Okay, but see, I didn't grow up in that. Now, there's a positive in that. I would say that guy, you know, because I'm looking, I'm going, man, he's got a leg up on me. Because I'm not, I kid you not, guys, if you remember my testimony, the only way I survived Bible college, man, was this front page here, right? The contents. The, the, <laughs> I knew nothing. Old Testament, New Testament, I could tell you nothing. I fell for every joke in the book. The book of Second Opinions, I tried to turn there, Right? <laughs> Right? All that stuff. I actually, where's it at? Where's it at? Where's that? And they're laughing. <laughs> Still looking for it. I don't know where it's at. I fell for every one of those goofball jokes, okay? Except Hezekiah, the book of Hezekiah. I looked miles for that one. I, <clears throat> I still, probably was on break. And where's that, Hezekiah? Okay, but that's how I survived Bible college. I had my thumb in the beginning, and the instructor would say, the book of Romans. I'm going, I wouldn't even know where to start. I'd finally find a page. Oh, 600, whatever. I get there, and he's off to another one. So, you know, I'm But that's how I did uh, for whatever. But these guys, they have that background. So there's a pro in that. If you get saved, I mean, going to a church service, that's what we saw, doesn't save you. You've got to have a born-again experience with Jesus Christ. But you're still growing up in that atmosphere, okay, uh, that's going on. I didn't. So that's kind of a, a pro. But a con is what we're going to hopefully deal a little bit tonight is you, you, I call it church world stuff. 
You know, and you take on these certain characteristics that you observe other church world people doing. And they're not always good. And they're actually detrimental when it comes to maintaining a daily relationship with God. Okay, what it is, is it's Christian religion. Okay, so on this aspect, as we'll get to hopefully in a little bit, I'm very glad that I didn't grow up in that. Okay, but here's what he says. He says, can I actually spend time with the creator of the universe? Because that's the subject heading. Daily time with who? Ronald McDonald? Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be awesome? How many guys would like to ask him the question, what ever happened to Hamburglar? You never show him anymore. Where'd he go? Okay, no, we are talking about God. Right? I've talked about this before. This is still what blows me away. And if it doesn't blow you away anymore, Christian, you need to get on your knees and ask God to give you a new heart again. This is God. It should blow your mind away. And again, once we realize we have a relationship with God, and not just a relationship, we we get to speak to the creator of the universe, and it's like, why why would I need a sermon to guilt me into it? And that's what he says. He says, after, listen, underline this, many years. Now that's to me, is a sad statement. That's a sad statement. And, uh, and again, maybe that's part of the, the thing that I had to learn when I first got saved. People grow at different rates. But again, that's not a cop-out. I really think they grow at different rates because of one of these three. Okay? Some of it's your own doing. Some of it's not. But still, uh, it's not something that should be completely for him. But after many years of being a Christian, he th- the thought hit me one day, he says, uh, that I actually had the incredible opportunity to spend one-on-one time with the most important dignitary in the u- entire universe, God. Now, stop right there. That should motivate us. Daily, I mean, we should like, you know what? Hey, you know, I'd love to, I'm sorry, but I'm going to go speak with God now. But what's our attitude? Man, he's the spare tire in the trunk, isn't he? Okay. What? Something's wrong. And I'm telling you, the key to maintaining this daily time with God is you keep in mind we have a relationship with the creator of the universe. Don't ever lose that, Christian. If you have, pray and ask God, would you please be merciful to me and give it back? Would you please renew my heart? Because at that point, it's just a daily, wonderful, exciting adventure until you arrive in heaven. That's awesome. It's awesome being a Christian, okay? But the enemy twists it around. Here's what he says. Unfortunately, I had wasted many years of not enjoying this privilege. Now, this is where I think a little bit of this comes in. You won't eat food. You'd rather eat something else but that. And that's because you've been tricked into thinking that something, there's something more exciting uh, than spending time with God, uh, uh, the creator of the universe, okay, is what's going on there, okay? I'm, one of my favorite quotes is, I don't know who said it, but he says, every package from hell comes disguised in ecstasy, now, that's our world, isn't it? And it, it, it's anything that looks better than spending time with God, okay, is really what's going on. Okay, here's what he says. Uh, and he says, uh, I wasted many years not enjoying this privilege. I realized I could receive, listen, the wisdom of the creator of all things. Hello, that's amazing. Enjoy his love, interact with him, and draw on his incredible power to live a life of righteousness and purity. That is the privilege of Okay, notice it wasn't the pain, right? It's just the pain, right? And if it is, check your heart. Ask God to be merciful to you. God, give me that new heart back, okay? Because it's not a pain to spend daily time with God. This should blow your mind away. I, I, I said it before, I'll say it again. I'll never forget a preacher one time. He says, do you realize what we just said the very moment, if this is how we choose to open up our prayer time with God, our Heavenly Father 
He said, do you realize what just came out of your mouth? And what we just said? And what we're engaged in to do right then and there? Okay? And that's what he says. It's not a pain. It's a privilege that we have. And believe me, he says, I now take advantage of it daily. Okay? This is how we grow fast. Okay? And I'm telling you, what happens, uh, this is why New Year's resolutions don't work out. This is why when you go to those exciting conferences and those revival meetings and you have those mountaintop experiences and it only lasts for about a week. My theory is this. You didn't get the core issue. It's a hard issue. If you keep in mind that what we are doing as Christians, the basics, is a relationship with God, the creator of the universe, you won't need those conferences, okay? With, I'm not against them. But I'm saying you're going to see more consistency because you got the core issue right. Who in the world would not want to spend time with the creator of the universe? Right? We've got to get that drilled into our heads, okay? Now, that's what I grew up in as opposed to church world. Because when I first got saved, it was just me and Jesus. I didn't have nobody preaching a sermon there. I wasn't in Bible college yet. I didn't have nothing, okay? It was just a, a raw relationship, went from absolute darkness, uh, utter despair into a light and full of joy. My sins were gone, and I was getting to talk with God. This was wild. This was exciting, and I was all alone, and it was just me and God. And I started talking to him anywhere, anytime, at all times, and it's just, whoa. It was awesome. That's the mindset that we need to maintain, okay, if we're going to continue to grow fast. He says, now, why should I meet with God? Well, first of all, I think it's common sense, right? What we're dealing with here, folks, with this daily time with God, okay, this is not uh, 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 like, okay, if I don't do this, I'm not saved. That's a works-based salvation. We dealt with that big time in our previous studies already. Okay, but we're dealing with this issue. If you want to write this somewhere, you're dealing with the quality of a relationship, okay? It's a quality of relationship. And that's true with any relationship, right? Any endeavor, right? How many guys have this great, uh, I, I want to be an electronic engineer, <laughs> right? No people have that one. What's a common one? I want to be something. I want to be a, 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 a cop like Bill and act and be an actor, a professional actor in this new movie coming up called The Reunion, right, Bill? Praise God, John. Thanks for doing that ventriloquism for him. Okay. But I want to do that. Okay, so how do you anything? Pick a vocation, pick an interest, whatever you do. I want to be the best golfer. I want to be whatever it is, okay? How does that happen? You go to bed and, and you just buy 14 books on it. You carefully place them underneath your pillow. You go to sleep on it overnight and through reverse osmosis, <laughs> it goes into your brain. You wake up the next day. <gasps> now, it would be nice if that would work. It doesn't work that way. Okay, you have to study hard. You have to be consistent about it. You have to practice. You have to get your hands dirty. You have to, there has to be consistency. How do you become a disciple of Christ? That's why I always say that because it's the word methetes, which is where we get the word mathematics, which means disciplined learner. If you want to be a good actor, if you want to be a good golfer, if you want to be a good electronic engineer, you've got to be consistent. You've got to be disciplined in your studies. You have to be disciplined, right? So why is it when it comes to spiritual things, take it or leave it? And we wonder why some people take off and wow, wow. Hey, did you know that's available for every single Christian? It's not just a select few. Okay, don't put people on pestles. It's just, it's for, that God loves us as his children. He wants a relationship with all of us, and he has a wonderful plan for each one of his children. Okay, but I'm t- I've said this before. The enemy's plan A was to keep you from getting saved. Okay, if he didn't accomplish that, which means you got born again, it doesn't mean he leaves you alone. He simply moves to plan B. Plan B is to get you to do anything and everything but spend time with God and live for God and do what God has called you to do. Because that he can mess up. 
right? And he can take that away. That's called a reward from God. That's a privilege of laying treasure at the feet of Jesus Christ. Okay, he can't take away your salvation, praise God. Okay, but he just switches to plan B. So pay attention. He doesn't want you to spend time with God because you'll grow strong. You'll become a, a disciplined learner, a methetes, a disciple, and then you'll become a threat, and that's the last thing he wants. Okay, so he's going to put a lot of dangling carrots out there so you won't eat the food. Let's continue on. When our parents brought us home from the hospital, there was a very important substance that we had to receive to grow up to be physically healthy. Is your next blank there. Physically healthy. If our parents did not realize this beforehand, it became very apparent uh, very soon that we needed cow. Now, that's what I would put in there, but milk is appropriate. It is a cow product. How many guys realize that you cannot get milk from chickens? Is that a sign or what? Okay, but milk is the blank there as you fill in there. Milk, hello. If they did not remember to feed us, uh, we let them know by crying at the top of our lungs, right? Now, listen. Uh, The same substance is needed for us to grow spiritually. Okay, got it? Spiritually. Now, notice the phrase there, cry at the top of our lungs, right? Wouldn't that be cool if right before Sunday services, uh, I'm up here maybe shuffling around, getting rid of the notes, nobody showed up yet, but I could tell that the congregation of Sunrise Baptist Church was about to show up. They're, only, they're four blocks away, and I could tell they're blocks away because every single one of them was crying at the top of their lungs. Ah, I need food! Ah, I'm hungry! Wouldn't that be the coolest? That'd be a preacher's dream, okay? I know, it makes me cry too, thinking about it, because it's not reality. I haven't heard the cry yet. And <laughs> but that's what he said. He said, I mean, but that's our heart cry. From, where do you get that from? You get it from this mentality. It's a relationship with the creator of the universe. I got, I got to eat. I got, I'm, oh, it's that cry. Oh, I, as we're going to see, he uses word, I long. Right? It's just like, remember, it's not just the spiritual food aspect that, that Peter's using here, milk. Okay, I think it's the attitude too as a baby. As a baby Christian, you should be, if you're not getting food, you should cry. Ah! Not settle for junk or nothing. There should be a cry, okay? Uh, Peter encourages us like newborn babes, long, is your next blank there, long for the pure milk of the word, okay? Long for the pure milk of the word that uh, by it you may grow is your next blank there, that you may grow in respect to salvation, okay? Now, can I tell you the enemy's plan B? I'm going to twist that verse purposely like the evil one would do, and here's the first thing he's going to do as a brand new spanking Christian. I have seen this happen so many times to people when they first get saved. If they're not careful, he's going to do this to you. Now, listen, if you take the word there, word, okay, and if you just add one thing to it, this is exactly what the enemy does. Add an L right there. World. Okay? And here's what he's going to do. Let me quote that again. Uh, As like newborn babes long for the impure filth of the world. Right? That's what he's going to get you to cry out for. Not the pure milk of the word. The impure filth of the world that by it you may grow. You're going to grow all right. But in respect to sin. Okay, it's the exact polar opposite. That's what he's going to try to get you to do. Because you're going to eat something. You've got to eat something. You could eat those uh, absolutely, totally wasteful products, those uh, uh, rice cake thingy whoppers, okay, or a big old fat triple bacon cheeseburger and Wendy's with those fatty fries, man. Oh, man, that's man food, right? Anybody with it? That's good stuff. That'll put you over the top, okay? Now, that's what you could do. And that's what the enemy's going to do. He's going to try to supplant it with something. You're going to put something in your mouth, so to speak, 
it's not going to be good for you. Okay, so that's what he did. But Peter says, no, it's got to be the pure milk of the word. Okay, so you can grow up in your salvation. To grow to maturity as a Christian, we must spend time, it's your next two blanks there, we must spend time with God studying his word. Okay, why? Well, where do you think you get to know about God? In the Bible. That's what you're supposed to do as a Christian. Okay, well, why? Well, remember, what's the whole premise of this? It's a relationship. So if it's a relationship, and that book tells us about the one we have a relationship in, and if you want a quality relationship, what do you do? Spend time. Find out about the other person. How many guys, when you first dated, okay, and you're courting each other, you asked all those intriguing, important questions, like Brandy and I did, that you probably never asked again, but you just had to find this neat stuff out. What's your favorite color? <laughs> Remember those days? You don't even talk about that stuff anymore, right? Right? What's your favorite food? What do you like to do? What's your favorite sport? Who's your favorite team? What? All that stuff. Remember? And you never breathed that in the last 20 years, right? And you probably forgot what that color is, but you don't want to admit it because some of you are sweating bullets right now that they're going to ask on the way home. It's going to cause a fight, and you're back in my office for counseling. But we won't go there. <clears throat> so the issue is, uh, it's, it's, it's qual- you find out, right? That's what the Bible is. It's the, the discover. We find out more about God. This one, the creator of the universe that we have a relationship with. It's right there. Find out, if you will, his favorite color. Find out what pleases him. Find out what he wants you to do. Find out what he likes. Find out what he dislikes. Get to know him. It's not just something Christians do. It's a relationship with God, who is the creator of the universe. Okay? No need to pull teeth to get us to do that. And that's what he says there. We need to study God's word. The psalmist realized the importance of time with God and his word, as we see in Psalm 119, verses 147 through 48. He states this, I rise before dawn. Now listen to the longing here. Listen to the analogy of not just the spiritual food, the milk, i.e., compared to the word of God. Okay, Listen to the longing cry of the baby. This should be a natural response. This is not some secret saint, some whatever, if you will, in my mind. This is a natural response of a brand new spiritual baby Christian. Because if you don't get your nourishment, you're crying out. And that's what we see in this text here. I, I'm up before dawn. How many guys realize that his mom's babies get up kind of early? And they want, what do they want? Give me some chow, right? How many dads were right there at 3 in the morning helping out? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm going to start a fight with my wife because I wasn't. But anyway, that's right. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> All right? Man, they want some food, right? I cry before dawn. Notice the verbiage of the baby. I cry before dawn. Oh, I cry for help. Okay? And he's talking about God. I, I, I wait. Underline that word too. Not just cry. I wait. I wait for the news to come on to find out what the weather is before I read the Bible. Oh, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> before I crack on that tube, I wait for God. I wait for your word, okay? Uh, and, and again, this to me is a this is somebody in love, right? How many guys back in the back, because we're using a lot of relational aspects because this is what we have with God. How many guys just, you couldn't wait to get on the phone, you couldn't wait to your next break so you can call your soon-to-be spouse or whatever. Remember that? You just couldn't wait to contact him again. You couldn't. Are you serious? Man, we were weird, Brandy. I'm sorry. But anyway, that's right. So, but uh, but that's, we just couldn't wait to talk to him again. That's what he said. I, wait, I, I just can't. It's exciting. My eyes anticipate. That's another word. Underline that one. The night watches that I may meditate on thy work. Now, I got to take a little sidetrack there. Meditate your blank there. Uh, can, I, can you just supplant that with this uh, two words, chew on? I chew on God's word. I don't like the word meditate because to me, unfortunately, people have taken that 
into and have used it to condone new age. Okay? That, uh, what, oh, oh, see? This is our point. You see, the Christian Bible and Hinduism work perfectly together. Because meditation and prayer, it's one and the same thing. And we just need to sit there and empty our mind and achieve the state of nothingness, which is nirvana, which I always had an instructor say, hey, that's a goal in life. I want to achieve nothing. Okay? But that's really what it means. No, no, no. The Bible said, it doesn't say uh, Easter meditation is not the same thing as biblical prayer. Biblical prayer is using your mind. Okay? It's the exact polar opposite with the New Age Easter mysticism. It's an emptying of your mind, and you're hoping to connect and hear a voice from a spirit. That ain't from God. Okay, so I always have to kick this one because of that influx of society, even on churches today. The Hebrew word there, a good understanding, is the word chew on. Okay, it's, to give you a good picture, it's of a cow chewing its cud. Now, again, you don't get those kind of cool analogies from a chicken. Chickens peck. You know what I'm saying? That's something like a, 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 a demon would do or something, whatever is my theory. But this is a good cow term. Uh, it's chewing a cud. Now, if you know anything about cows, right, Byron? Cows out there, busting cow, punching cows. That was the best stress reliever I ever heard in my life. We were talking a couple weeks ago, and, uh, uh, you know, some people, they, they, secular psychology, they have you get a bat and you beat a pillow. Well, Byron told me he punched cows growing up, and I was like, man, that's a man thing, whatever. It means something different, but anyway, that's right, Beverly. But anyway, okay, so, uh, but seriously, a cow, it means chew the cud. Chew the cud. If you know anything about a cow, they got several stomachs. Wouldn't that be cool to have several stomachs? Okay, anyway, you probably because if you understand the procedure of a cow, because they chew it, and then they swallow it, right? That big old blob of grass. And guess what happens? They goes from, it goes, they barf it from that first chamber up in their stomach, and it comes out, chew it, then they swallow it again. Guess what happens? It's a little bit more disintegrated now with all the juices. Right? And then finally it goes into, I think it got four chambers there is what's going on there. Five, five chambers. Praise God. Give it up for cows. Right on. You don't do that for chickens. But anyway, so, so that's what happens. That's really what the Bible's talking about. For, okay. Uh, uh, is, uh, uh, is what he's talking about the word of God. This isn't just like, oh, empty your mind, get in the lotus position. Okay. He's talking about uh, chewing on the word of God. So that means you come across the Bible, you're reading on it, you're going, hmm. You're chewing on it. You're thinking about it. You're, you're pondering. You're, you're mulling over in your mind. You're, hmm. Swallow it. Go about your day. Maybe pick it up again later. Hmm. I remember that verse from this morning. No, I'm chewing on it. Hmm. That's a good word for today. And that's just a little tip. We haven't got there yet with reading the Bible. Uh, don't get in some giant marathon. Hey, listen, if you only got one, first of all, as we saw last time, ask the Holy Spirit to give you illumination to the Scripture. Okay? And in your reading of the Scripture, if you only make it through one verse, Bang, it pops out at you. Whoa. I mean, you, have you ever had that happen? Hopefully you have. And the Spirit just pops open a verse. Don't move anywhere. Okay? Stay there. That might very well be exactly the one thing. And if you can just get one thing from your devotion time, isn't that what it's all about? Right? So stay there. Maybe that's the verse that he wants you to... All day long. Chew on it. That's what that word means. Chew on it. You know, and just, hmm, that's interesting. And all day long, if that verse pops out, don't keep reading. See, that's the temptation of the enemy. Well, I read, uh, I read 14 chapters today, Pastor Billy. Hey, that's really cool. I'll ask you this question if you say that to me. Uh, what'd you learn? Yeah, but see, you don't understand, Pastor Billy. I beat my previous record yesterday of 13 chapters. <laughs> hey, that's really cool. That's great. What's your goal? And tomorrow I'm going to shoot for 15. That's great. What'd you learn? No, she don't understand. See, uh, last week I was only seven. 
That's nice. That's really cool. How did, were you impacted in your walk with Jesus Christ by reading the Bible? No, you see, you don't understand. I see, see, that's the game we play, isn't it? It's like some marathon thing. Hey, I've learned it takes a long time to go through the Bible, a lot longer than, i got to read, read through the, I did that two years and I couldn't take it anymore. Read through the Bible in a year because I was so, I'd come across, a verse would pop out, man, and I'm going, oh, that's good stuff. I'll, I'll, get, I'll, get law, I'll, get, I'll get three weeks behind if I stop. I've got to keep reading. I've got, I got 14 chapters to read today. If I'm going to make it by December 31st. Anybody feel that pressure? You know what I'm saying? You didn't have time to enjoy Philippians chapter 4 where it says, don't be anxious. I'm anxious. I'm trying to get rid of the Bible. Right? And so what I personally learned, okay, is just take your time. Isn't that what it's about? If you only make it through, uh, hey, two verses, but they popped out at you, stop. Don't keep going. Chew on it. Barf it up a few times during the day. Chew on it again, right? You might get back to, I've had this happen. You know, because mine is just, I just pick up where I left off the next day. You know, it took me a while to finally get in that common sense routine, I call it. Okay, and and I'm right, and and I say, oh, there's that verse again. I might be on that verse for a couple days. It might take me a long time just to get through Jude. (laughs) One chapter, Right? It just depends how the Spirit of God's moving. But that's what he says. I just chew on it. I'm not in a hurry. Why? This is a relationship. I want to get to know God. I'm not glossing over this. This is not some speed test. I really want to know what that favorite color is. Right? You're getting to know the other person. Okay? He says in Psalm 1, the writer states the following about the blessed man. Not the torturous man. The blessed man. Okay, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates, i.e. he chews on day and night. He's got that cow thing going on all the time. That's good. Oh, that's awesome. Day and night, that's what he's doing, right? Because he wants to get to know God that deep. Another need for us Christians is to talk with God, okay? Is to talk with God. God is the perfect example of a loving, caring father. He loves his children very much. He not only revealed that through the act of sending his son to die on the cross for us, but he displays that love every day and giving us guidelines. It's your next blank there. Guidelines to live by and always providing a shoulder, is your next blank, to cry on and an ear to listen. Now, guidelines. This is, again, what the enemy would twist. Remember, the, what's plan B of the enemy? He cannot take away your salvation. He will do anything and everything he can to distract you from growing in Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to do what God's called you to do, the wonderful, incredible thing for his glory and honor that will stand for all eternity, and he doesn't want you to become a threat. So he will twist every good thing for you and try to get you to ingest and do something poisonous. That's what he does. He twists, uh, perverts, and contorts the truth. Okay, that's what he does. And this is what it is, the guidelines to live by. And that's what he says, a loving, caring father, right? Now, as fathers, how many guys have loving, caring guidelines for your kids? Maybe they appreciate them, maybe they didn't. But as a loving, caring father, they were there for your own good, right? Billy, don't go out in the middle of the road. You hate me. You don't love me. No, you may not understand this, but that is for your good because I'm a loving, caring father, right? That's what you do. Now, can I tell you how much the enemy's twisted us? Name one command in Scripture, one guideline that's bad for us. And yet we spend so much time, like my son would, I'm going to be in the street. <laughs> Do you see how it's twisted? Not one command is bad for us. It's all a good guideline. And yet the enemy gets us to think that somehow we're missing out. No, we're putting ourselves in dangerous positions. 
Okay, that's how he twists it. Okay, but he also says a shoulder to cry on, an ear to listen. How many guys are glad that uh, we have a relationship with God and it's not how he treats us and when you uh, do talk to God, i.e. pray to God, you don't get this response. Uh, Hey, I'm sorry, all of our angels are busy helping other sinners right now. Uh, However, your prayer is important to us and will be answered in the order it was received. So please stay on the line. If you'd like to speak to God, press one. If you'd like to speak to Jesus, press two. If you'd like to speak to the Holy Spirit, press three. That's right, Byron, it's a trinity. You got it. Uh, If you'd like to hear King David sing a psalm while you're holding, press four. Uh, To find out if a loved one has been assigned to heaven, press five. Uh, Enter his or her social security number and then press the pound key. If you get a negative response, try area code 666. Uh, ooh. For reservations at my father's house, uh, please enter J-O-H-N followed by 316. And for answers to nagging questions about dinosaurs, the age of the earth, and where Noah's Ark is, please wait until you arrive here or get the 41 DVD set on getalifemedia.com. Uh, our computers uh, show that you've already prayed once today. Please hang up and try again tomorrow. Can you imagine if God treated us like we treat him and we treat each other? He's always there as a love. And who is this? This is not as cool as it would be. I know you're out there. I'm talking to the Hamburglar. Where have you been? This is God. This is the creator of the universe. I don't get that kind of signal from him. He's, yes, he's right there. And he even doesn't wait for us. He asks us. Draw near to me, the scripture says. And God says, I'll draw near to you. Cast your cares upon me because I care for you. That's God. We don't get that goofball stuff. But as a loving, caring father, uh, that's what he uh, provides for us is what he's talking about there. Uh, But that's not all. He goes on and he says this. He says, some of the most intimate passages of scripture... Uh, throughout the Old and New Testament, are prayers. Now listen, prayer is simply conversation with our Heavenly Father. Conversation with our Heavenly Father. Notice the two words there, talk and conversation with our Heavenly Father. And we're going to hopefully close the study with an example. I gave you a little teaser a few studies back, but this is one of my pet peeves. Now this is one of the things that I believe I was spared from uh, by not growing up in church world. Because I'm convinced that the reason why Christians pray the way they do, good, bad, or ugly, is because nine times out of ten, uh, that's how they saw other Christians do it. Okay? And uh, uh, unfortunately, there could be some pros and cons with that. Okay? So I'm going to communicate with my wife right down here. Uh, and, uh, uh, and because it's a relationship, right? We have a relationship with God, right? I'm just going to, it's a conversation. I'm going to have a conversation with my wife. Okay? I'm going to talk with my wife. Okay, but I'm going to use some of the things that we Christians do and how we communicate with God, and you tell me how it sounds. You ready? Okay, just bring out a little test here, okay? So I'm going to knock on the door. I just got home. Hey, honey, I'm home. Hey. Yeah. Now, kid, what if I actually went to Brandy? She opens up the door. Hey. Like she just did, right? And I immediately started with this. I mean, truly. I said, oh, Brandy, I love it, you Thou art thy coolest thine wife as I ever art thou could have a Right? Right? Right, get a gun. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, or here's one. I'll be a little bit more formal about that. Hail, Brandy, full of grace. Wife of Billy, the Lord is with thee. Blessed out thee well among wives. Right? Now, if I actually communicated my wife that way, I talked to her. I had, that was my conversation with her. And I was dead serious. 
What, do you, what would you think she did? What would you do? Lay hands on me, close the door, back over me a couple times in the car in love, of course. Uh, yeah, that stuff, right? And you know where I'm going with this. Why in the world do we talk that way to God? Why do Christians pray the way they do? Hey, I am not against the uh, King James Bible, King James English. I think it's a beautiful translation, a very poetic language. I'm sorry, though, we don't speak a 500-year-old King's uh, English, uh, Elizabethan English anymore, okay? So is that the only way that we can speak to God? Oh, Lord, thy thou. Surely thine thou, thee thy thou. Now, hey, if you're doing that from the heart, if that's how you normally speak, more power to you. But to me, again, this is what I would say from church world. I wasn't taught to do that. Because I was all by myself, and I'm just talking to God like it's a normal thing. Because remember, once you lose sight of the aspect of a relationship, and you start treating it like, oh, because then people say, I don't know how to pray. I can't pray. I mean, you heard Deacon Kenny get up there. Oh, Lord, die, that so poetic and beautiful. I can never speak like that. It's like, can you talk to your wife? Can you talk to your coworker? Talk to God. What's the big deal? But those things are stumbling blocks. And it's not natural. And can I tell you, after a while, it gets boring. Because then you've got to rehearse it. And then you've got to script it. There's no spontaneity in that. Okay, which leads to the next one. What if I had a, every time, honey, I'm home. And I whipped out a formula. I had to follow this formula every single time with my wife. Right? Let me hear it. And this is the only way I can approach her. Oh, Brandy. I adore you. You're the greatest wife in the world. I, I, uh, uh, step, step two. Brandy, I confess I'm an unworthy husband and how you could ever love me is beyond comprehension. And I, uh, oh, hey, I thank you, Brandy. I thank you for um, everything you've done and it's just awesome. And I step, what's that for? Oh, uh, Brandy, I humbly ask, would you please make provision and provide a morsel of a cow for me tonight? Ah, and go off and watch TV and do my own thing. But everything I Every time I went and communicated to my wife, I had to follow that step-by-step, step, that plan. You know where I'm going with this. I am not against formulas, per se. Okay, and Of course, one of the classic ones, and this is the one I was following, is the one with acts, right? That's what I was doing. Oh, Brandy, I adore you. I confess. You know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Right? Okay, I'm not against that. If you want to learn the art of prayer, uh, uh, of communicating, okay, but if you have to go through a step-by-step thing, I'm sorry, that's not spontaneous, okay? And that's, you're losing sight of a relationship, okay? And, and, and that's between your heart and God, okay? I'm just saying that be careful because after a while, you just go through the motions. If you're relying on a formula, you're going through the motions. And next thing you know, you're praying, okay? And it's, you're, you're, you even don't even know what you're praying, right? I mean, you are praying, but your mind's on something else. And that's supposed to be a relationship with God? Hey, let's put it down here. You're just talking about doing that. How many guys as husbands and wives, uh, you're, uh, you're talking to your spouse and you know they ain't listening? Okay? How does that make you feel? Lay hands on them, right? Right? When we get to God and we get so perfunctory in our prayers, it's just down this list thing and whatever. And again, I'm not a, if you want to learn the art of being a better communicator, that's one thing. But now you have to follow this formula every single time. I don't do that with any normal relationship. Why do I have to do that every single time with God? You see the balance there? Okay, and the final one is this. This is going to be really tough for me to do and uh, as we get ready to close. Um, uh, but what if I were to come to Brandy 
And it's, we haven't seen each other all day. This is, remember, it's about quality, quality time. I'm ready to converse. I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to do that. And here's what I blurted out. This is going to be tough for me. So hold on. Hi, Brandon. Glad to be home. It's great to see you. I just wanted to let you know that I'm the most incredible woman in the world. And I can't ever think of a day to live another. Oh, by the way, what's for supper? Hey. That was rough. Chicken, and that's an uh, unfortunate day for me in the house of Chrome. Uh, but anyway, so, but here's my point with that one. Hey, we finally get around. We're not using a formula. We're, oh, Lord, thy, thou, thee, though. And we're not stuck on this thing. We've got to go down this list every single time. The exact same way, the exact same prayer, exactly. Like, oh, no spontaneity there. Okay. Um, but then when we finally get that, maybe we, we don't do the first two. But then we just rip through it as fast as we can just to get it over with. If that was your spouse and that's how they communicated with you, and you could tell they're just getting this over with because they really want to go do something else. They're, they're acting like, oh, yeah, I really want to spend time with you. How would that make you feel? Can I tell you something, guys? This is what I'm talking about, church world. Okay? When I first got saved, I'm not saying this to boast. I'm just trying to draw a parallel and expose something that I think is what I think uh, has hampered the church. We've lost sight, even though we say it's a relationship with God. It's not a religion. How do we treat it? Right? As a religion. Now, I'm telling you, once you treat it as a religion and do these funny goofball things that we all do and we laugh about, okay, then it becomes a chore. And you, depending on everybody's energy level, some people are more uh, rambunctious than others, you'll keep it up for a while. But it gets stale, goofy, boring. You've got to invent ways to make it exciting when the whole time you've lost sight of what it's all about it's a beautiful relationship with God. And then once you start getting religious, you were daily. Now it's every other daily. And then it's once a week. And then it's what? Huh, huh. Next thing you know, it feels like God's a million miles away. You ever been there? But as the old adage goes, if it ever feels like God's a million miles away, guess who moved? Not God. You did. We have to keep in mind, if we're going to do this daily time with God, consistency is the key, but the core issue is don't ever lose sight of his very first comment, can I actually spend time with the creator of the universe? Yeah, enjoy it. Just like a normal relationship. And you treat it like that, lots of cool spontaneity, all throughout the day you get up and you get to do it again. And then you get to do it again. And then one day you get to see him face to face. There's nothing boring about that at all. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell, and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy, and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, "...you shall not bear false witness." That's lying. 
Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even his name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. 
while you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.